Welcome to the JPR Group Podcast, brought to you by the JPR Group of Baird Private Wealth Management. We're dedicated to bringing our clients, colleagues, and centers of influence the latest in wealth strategies, ideas, and information to keep you informed and confident. Also, listen in on conversations with industry leaders and interesting people from around the country that are changing the landscape of their businesses. This is the JPR Podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to this episode of the JPR Group Podcast. My name is Andrew Boyles and I'm going to be your host for today. So as we near the end of 2020, uh, part of the JPR Group and our wealth management experience that we seek to provide, uh, one facet of that is tax planning. So as we near the end of the year, uh, it's a great time to review your tax situation as it applies to your investments. And specifically, we're going to be talking about capital gains today. So with us on the podcast, we have a couple guests, Josh Marson. Josh is a certified investment management analyst, and he leads our investment research and the due diligence process for the investment platforms that we offer to our clients. And then we also have Mike Jennings, who is the founder of the JPR Group and actually owned and operated a tax office for a number of years in Morgantown, Kentucky. So. Josh and Mike, thanks for being on the podcast today. Good to be here. Thanks Thank for you. having us. So before we get started, we, we would like to just acknowledge that, you know, we are going to be talking about uh, tax implications today, but we are not uh, CPAs or tax preparers. So, um, you know, our job is to bring awareness and to provide guidance um, around your investments and how that can affect your tax situation. But um, for very specific tax planning and tax advice, um, you should always consult your your CPA, your tax preparer uh, to do that. So again, we're going to be talking about uh, capital gains as it relates to tax planning. So Josh, to get us going and, and set the stage for our conversation, can you just, you know, in simple terms, define what a capital gain is? Yeah, in very simple terms, uh, a capital gain refers to the, the profits resulting from the sale of a capital asset. Um, you really have two areas there. One is tangible assets and one is intangible. Your tangible assets can be the likes of real estate, land, um, vehicles, so on and so forth. Your intangible assets is really more of what we're talking about today. And that is stocks, bonds, um, different types of investment vehicles, i.e. mutual funds. So you, you mentioned mutual funds there at the end. So, you know, we have, we have a number of clients that own mutual funds. It's a very popular investment vehicle uh, because it does allow for somebody to own, you know, sometimes hundreds of individual securities um, kind of wrapped up into to one fund and, and help them diversify. So um, Josh, can you speak to some, something unique about mutual funds as it relates to capital gains? Yeah, so what's unique with a mutual fund, and it's by law, is that they have to distribute the majority of their income to the shareholders each individual year. Now, that can be through capital gains or through income, but they need to distribute it um, to, to the shareholders. So, uh, you know, the trading that goes on, you know, inside of the fund, what you're saying is, you know, even if, even if an investor doesn't sell the mutual fund, based on the trading that occurs um, inside the fund, uh, they could experience capital gains. That's exactly right, Andrew. You know, capital gains uh, can be confusing if you let it. 
Uh, but there's really two things going on. And as long as you separate the two, it's, it's pretty easy to understand. But if you own a mutual fund, for instance, uh, you have uh, a portfolio manager that makes trades for you. Uh, in any given year, that, those trades can be made to reallocate the portfolio. They can be made based on redemptions. Uh, this year was a great example. You know, there were, there were quite a few redemptions earlier in the year. Uh, and portfolio managers are forced to sell at times uh, assets in the mutual fund that are at gains. Well, when that happens, that is actually being realized. Um, you have no uh, choice when they really do that. Uh, and you, once again, uh, are the one that, that comes back to taking that gain. Now, the other side of the box is you actually owning the mutual fund. So on that side, you decide when the gain is realized or unrealized. And that basically happens when you decide to sell to generate um, you know, cash flow or revenue. And at that point, uh, the gains would be realized on your side. So it's really two separate boxes that you wanna look at. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So just to reiterate, with mutual funds specifically, there's really two layers to capital gains. One is at the investor level. So owning the mutual fund, and you selling that fund. And then the second layer would be at the, the mutual fund level and the activity that occurs um, inside of that that you may never see. That's exactly right. So, so Mike, with that in mind, can you explain what implications the market environment that we've seen here in 2020, um, what could that mean for, for mutual fund owners? Well, of course, in uh, March of this year, we saw the market fall rather precipitously. And as a result, uh, some investors panic and uh, choose to sell uh, and get in the market and, and at the worst possible time. Uh, fortunately, I can uh, say that JPR Group had very, very few clients that did that. Uh, we were calling clients and talking about uh, this might be a good time to add, and, and it certainly was not a good time to sell. Uh, but when people panic uh, uh, and get scared, uh, they become irrational and they sell stocks at the wrong time. If you're a mutual fund manager and people are wanting to sell their shares, they redeem those. And so you have to raise capital to send them their money, which means you're going to have to sell some of your stocks. And if you're selling stocks that you bought a number of years ago, uh, you may well be selling those stocks at a gain, uh, even though the market's down. And if that is the case, that gain uh, then passes on to shareholders. And so it's a result of the, the market decline in March and people panicking, selling, and money managers being forced to raise capital and sell stock to do that. So Josh, as I mentioned earlier, you lead the investment research and the due diligence process for our team. So uh, you come across a number of different mutual funds, types of mutual funds from different fund companies that, that offer those. <laughs> so can you speak to, you know, we're talking about capital gains here. Are these unique to specific types of funds? Uh, and can you speak to the regularity of it? So is this something that happens every year? Uh, every other year, uh, you know, what should investors expect? Yeah, historic, and it's a great question, but historically, you know, if you look over, say, the last five years on an annualized basis, 
uh, right about 66% of active equity mutual funds have distributed capital gains. Uh, with that said, another, another point is that about 80% of mutual funds distributed capital gains in 2019. So when you look at those two numbers or statistics, um, it, it is a normal operating procedure. Um, some years they have losses that they can write against the gains, but in an average year, uh, your typical equity mutual funds, they, they do pay capital gains. Uh, they're difficult to completely avoid, um, but working with the correct team, they're, they're very uncomplicated to manage around some of those gains. Josh, can you speak to mutual fund owners? Uh, that's a wide, um, you know, wide range of people. So what types of accounts are specifically affected in these capital gains and, and mutual funds? Is it um, brokerage accounts? Is it IRA accounts, 401ks? Can you just speak to you know, what types of accounts would be affected by capital gains being paid out? Yeah, that's a great question for everybody listening. Um, you know, when it comes to capital gains, it, it is specific to uh, what we would call a brokerage or individual account. So a taxable account, any individual that has a qualified account, i.e. Uh, IRAs, um, there's no exposure to those. So you're, you're not going to be realizing your, your, your gains in there. So it's specific to uh, individual accounts, joint accounts, uh, taxable accounts. Thanks for that, Josh. So, yeah. um, you know, Josh, throughout some of those statistics that you shared with us, it sounds like this is a fairly common occurrence from year to year to expect these capital gains. So, um, Mike, can you speak to the process that our team goes through and some strategies or um, things that clients can implement to help either mitigate those capital gains or just at least manage them better? Uh, I will, uh, Andrew. Our, our team was uh, very diligent uh, in taking tax losses back in March, April, and May. Uh, the importance of that is um, had we not taken those losses then, we wouldn't have the opportunity to do that right now. Uh, hypothetically, if we had a client that had a million dollars uh, in the market at the beginning of the year, uh, in March, uh, that million dollars uh, may have had a market value of uh, 800,000. It may have been down 20%. And uh, if we did nothing, those were unrealized losses. Uh, so now that account, uh, if you know, most balance accounts have recovered and back where they were uh, at the beginning of the year. So that million dollar account that went down to 800,000 now is worth uh, back a million hypothetically. Uh, you know, we, we've recovered, but we don't have any loss. But because our team was diligent uh, back in March, April and May when the market's down, we would move from one mutual fund for instance, a mutual fund in dividend-paying stocks to another mutual fund uh, also in dividend-paying stocks just to realize the gain. So in that hypothetical, uh, that client, because we were active uh, in making taking those tax losses while the market was down, might show a hundred, $150,000 taxable loss to help offset income taxes. So again, 
for those folks that are looking and saying, well, I need to review for tax losses now, uh, it's too late, the market's recovered. It's important that you do that when the market is down. Uh, our team was very diligent about doing that. Uh, and so we're, um, we have harvested a lot of those losses, not getting folks out of the market. Uh, we would sell from one fund to a similar fund so, so they had the ability to recover, uh, but realize that, that loss. Thank, thanks for that, Mike. So just to, to clarify and make sure that we understand. So when you use the term tax loss selling, uh, you're not referring to just getting out of the market. You're referring to selling an asset or selling an investment when it's at a loss and moving it into, you know, another investment option where um, we've captured a loss that we can use against capital gains or income tax uh, to help with our tax situation. That, that's exactly right. Tax loss selling is moving from one mutual fund to a, another mutual fund that is very similar. So we're not getting ourselves out of the market. And we're doing that for one reason and one reason only, and that is to capture or realize that loss. Thanks for that, Mike. So um, I hope, hope today has been informative for, for you. If you are an investor that has assets and um, what we would call non-qualified or, or taxable money outside of IRAs and retirement plans. And this is something that is new to you or that you've never heard about before. Uh, we would be happy to engage with you, uh, give you a second opinion. If you're a CPA and you work with clients that have experienced uh, large capital gains from mutual funds year after year and, and would like some consultation around some alternatives, um, we would be happy to, to work with you on that. So uh, just uh, one last disclosure is that we do not guarantee any uh, type of performance uh, and past performance does not guarantee future results. So we know that every client situation is unique and their experience and results may differ. So um, that goes right along with our consulting process. And we, you know, we do acknowledge that every client is different and has unique needs. So uh, with that, we hope this has been very informative for you, and we look forward to having you back on the next episode of the JPR Group podcast. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcast. You may visit our website at thejprgroup.com for more information about our team or like us on Facebook. If you'd like to speak to a financial advisor on our team, please contact our office at 270-467-9664. We hope to hear from you soon. This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The information is considered to be from reliable sources, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions expressed are those of the show's host and guest and are not necessarily those of Robert W. Baird and Company, Inc. Baird does not offer tax or legal advice. 
Securities and Investment Advisory Services are offered by Robert W. Baird and Company, Inc., a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Member FINRA and SIPC.